cool. We are recording. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Atlanta on Air. As always, I am Hunter. Oh, it just started recording. Cool. Awesome. Welcome back to another episode of Atlanta on Air. Uh, I'm Hunter Thompson, joined usually by Adam Holloway. And today we are bringing the new guy of the team, Kenny, in with us. You guys want to say hello or anything special or fun like that? Yeah, what's um, uh, what's going on? And uh, let's 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 let Kenny get a few words in since uh, he's the new guy. What's going on, guys? Been a long time coming for this. I'm excited to be here. Couldn't be happier to be part of the team now. Some of you know me on Twitter as Gritsplits or Kenny G. Um, I've been a Falcons quote unquote fanalist for quite a long time now. Been a fan over 20 years. It's been a up and down ride, but um, I'm excited to be branching off into the podcast area and um i'm excited to be here happy to get started thanks for coming buddy we are excited um i know you don't have a huge follower account but you know we we study a lot of tape together and i love everything you bring to it so i'm um i'm uh, excited to get you on here and, and let people hear your opinion because i feel like uh you got some really good football takes and uh yeah Oh yeah, I got some. I got some takes to share. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kenny's one of those guys who I know we don't care about follower accounts here, but Kenny deserves more followers. Damn it! Somebody Uh, follow him. Follow, follow. Fantastic football mind. If you're not already following, Um, but yeah, we're gonna be talking draft stuff today, and just kind of like roster management. You know, just kind of things that you guys want to hear. So, I guess we're gonna start off with one of these questions that we all kind of that Adam wrote up for us to talk about today. I was going to take credit for it, but I have no credit for it. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on our running back situation kind of as a, as a whole? Uh, I'll let, I'll let Kenny, I'll let Kenny kick off the first little segment here. We can, uh, we can go off with him. All right. So the Atlanta Falcons running back position as a whole, gentlemen, I don't think it's comes as much of a shock to say that we need to work on this position a little bit throughout the draft. I definitely definitely see us drafting at least one running back. As of right now, our depth chart is Mike Davis, who, by the way, love the signing, love it for the value, love it for what he can do for our team, and a scheme fit for Arthur. But followed by him is Ito Smith, who he's shown flashes at times, but he's done nothing to give us confidence he can stay on the field and contribute. We have Quadre Allison as well, and... Once again, another player who's done nothing to show us he can contribute. He hasn't been able to see the field yet, so can't really bank on him. And then I believe that Tony Brooks James is also on the roster, but he's more of a camp body, preseason body than anything else. So to say that we need help at running back might even be a little bit of an understatement. I think we're desperate for some burst in this backfield. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. And I feel like I came out thinking, uh, like everybody knows that I love Javante. And um, I was thinking, oh, you know, let's let's uh, let's go that route. Let's draft one in the second. But um, just doing a little bit more research and just trying to follow the trend that Arthur Smith's going. I really think he's just I think he's going to boot on the position until next year, like to get a bell cow, so to speak. But I think he will try to get his slasher this year. Um, there's a couple guys they looked at. I know JV and Hawkins was one of them. Uh, he was a guy that I really like. He's he's a blur, like literally, like definition of a blur. Um, I think he ran a four three two or something on his pro day. I think it was a high four three, but either way, he ran under a four four. Yeah, like he was. He's really quick, uh, really shifty. 
Um, I think he'd be like, I, f- I feel like that is the kind of back that we're going to look for. And like, just to, just to go on Kenny's point about Ito, um, like I've said it before, I have such a love hate relationship with him. Uh, like sometimes he looks so good. And then other times I'm just like, he's either injured or he's just inconsistent. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like it's hard to tell. And like QO, like Quadrioles, and I got nothing but love for the guy. But we don't. We, same thing. We don't. We got such an unproven backfield other than Mike Davis. But uh, I got to give love to my guy uh, Keith Smith, though. He's one of the, still one of the better fullbacks in the league. He's part of that group too. So uh, he's he's a animal on special teams. Like you can Like if you don't like him as a fullback, at least he's a beast on special teams as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I guess I'll do my quick little running back take. Uh, running backs don't matter, first of all. But second of all, I do like Mike Davis, and I do like uh, Brian Hill, weirdly enough. Um, He's not on the roster, though. He's a free agent. I know. I know. But, like, I miss Brian Hill. <laughs> and I, I don't he know definitely, why. I, I just, he definitely looked like the best back in our backfield last season. Oh, we'll for sure. That. For sure. Running, running backs don't matter, but the mediocre ones do. <laughs> it's one of those things like, <laughs> man, I, I just, I have this weird pipe dream that even though we have like no need for Brian Hill, we're still going to bring him back. Oh, gosh. Um, I just, I don't know why. I just, I feel like he's, it's going to happen. But realistically, it's probably going to be us running it with Mike Davis, Quadri, and then a random running back we draft. Um yeah whoever that might be, whether that be a slasher or a bell cow or what. Yeah. Because Davis can kind of do both. He can be the receiving option, but he can also be the power runner. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Mike Davis is a fun little running back. Like he's so like, he's got a lot of power to his game, but he's so shifty as well. Like he's, he's uh, I think he was second in the league in elusiveness rating. Um, I think he forced like 23 missed tackles in the hole or something like that, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, he's um, he's a beautiful blend of power and elusiveness. Yeah, he, yeah. Like, I was a huge fan of his in college because, you know, South Carolina and all. Yeah, but, uh, that's, yeah that's why you but, like him. I knew it. But you know, dude just, had <laughs> dude had one of the nastiest stiff arms that I've seen in a college game. And oh, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll tweet it later, but it was like um, – Against, it was against Citadel or Furman, so it doesn't really matter. But it was still just like he hits the guy and just like fully just slams him to the ground and then just keeps on running. <laughs> Those are always Mike the Dave- best ones. Another thing about Mike Davis is he can block. He doesn't need to yeah. come off the field off the field on third down. He can stay out there. He can pass protect. He can catch. And speaking of a shiftiness, he put our boy Keanu Neal, who all of you Keanu going to miss you by the way. He put that man on his ass with a juke move in the game against us in almost a Crawford crossover kind of move. So, yeah, he's he's an elusive guy. I'm excited to see what he can do in this new scheme. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah, I have a lot of, like, high expectations for him. But, um, okay, cool. Next question we got. How do you think we attack the edge position this offseason, boys? Um, just let, uh, let, let, just, just continue the rotation. Let, uh, let Kenny hit that first and then I'll, then Perfect. I'll follow up. Okay. <clears throat> so attacking the edge position, first off, we need more bodies there because yeah. what we have now is not inspiring at all. 
Like we can get by serviceably at running back with Mike Davis and a committee behind him, but an edge rusher, we're, it doesn't matter how good our secondary is, which we'll get to that later on. It doesn't matter how good our secondary is with our group of edges right now. These quarterbacks are going to have all day to throw on us. Our yeah. top pass rusher at the moment, besides for Grady Jarrett, talking about purely coming off the edges, is Dante Fowler, who we brought back. And I think yeah. that we know firsthand exactly how um, how he does when he's a team's primary rushing option. If we get mm-hmm. a good player on the other side of him, I have hopes he can turn it around this year. But until we do that, this edge group is right down there with the worst in the league. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I agree. Um, and, like, the biggest problem is <clears throat> this draft is not loaded with, like, superstar edge guys. Uh, lots of high potential guys. Um, but I do agree. We need, like, I've, I've been hitting it almost every single mock draft Monday with double edge. Um, just because I feel like, um, I feel like the later round guys can give you at least um, some form of uh, consistency, like as a 3-4 outside linebacker or a 4-3 end, uh, which will play like a little bit of nickel when we're in our nickel uh, packages, big nickel and and actually big dime as well. Um, so I feel like those guys like second, third, fourth round are really the key areas. Even into the fifth round, there's a couple guys that um, can can be consistent pass rushers as, as edge guys. Um, not, not like big 10 sack a year guys, but at least like give us something, some form of stability off the edge that we haven't really had. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I like we're in such a weird edge position, you know, because we have guys on roster, you know, we have Kaminsky, we have, uh, JTM, we have Steven Means, we signed Mingo, we have Copeland who can probably play that edge position. Um, and so, like, I feel like we're not going to do anything super flashy there. I think we're just going to try to kind of scrape by this year, maybe mm-hmm. add like one guy in the draft. So, maybe like a guy like in the run three to five range because that's where a lot of these guys' like, sweet spot is. Um, but I don't think we're going to go high profile edge. Um, I hate to break it to y'all, Aziz Ojalari probably not gonna get him. No, and uh, that's a, Aziz is probably like he at the end of the day, somebody's gonna be like, you know what, we need a pass rusher. We're just gonna take him in the top twenty. I really feel like he's gonna end up in like top twenty-ish range. Uh, I think the farthest he falls is Baltimore. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know. They this class is just not deep. Like, I don't know. Like. Is the difference between Aziz and like a Ronnie Perkins so much bigger that you're gonna take a top twenty selection on Aziz? No, nah, dude. Like, like having like if I'm having to settle with on like an edge round two or round three because I missed on a guy round one or I missed trading up for a guy round one, I'm not gonna sweat it at all. Yeah, like, you're probably okay with that. All these edges that everyone's like, oh, we should take it pick thirty five. There's not a big difference between those guys and the guys that we can get at the beginning around four, which yeah. sucks to say, but that's just how this edge class goes. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's this so edge. unfortunate because we're like top, like we got these top picks and there's no top edges. Right. So it's like, <laughs> Dude, if, if there was like a, if there's like a chase young or like a Thibodeau thing this year, I think our entire 
draft ideology on what we'd be doing at pick four, I think would be different, truthfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I think this fan base may even be united behind the fact that, hey, we'd all be happy with the top-tier edge prospect coming to Atlanta, but that's not <laughs> oh, the reality sure. of this draft, sadly. A lot <laughs> Unfortunately. Of a lot of long-term projects in this draft, so... Yeah. Like yeah. you guys said, maybe hit on one in the mid rounds, give him a year to develop, see where we're at the end of the season. And like, I don't know. I'm a big fan of 2D Mirner, I think it's called JTM. I've mm-hmm. been trying, I've been trying to work on that name, but it's it's always a disaster. Yeah, it's a tough but one. J, JTM is uh, somebody. He looks like he's slim. I'm actually, I'm gonna try to get him on this show. I swear, he follows me now, so I, <laughs> I, I'm gonna try to get him on here because uh, he looks slim. He looks quick. His pat, like he's been working his pass rush all off season, and um, he's working with Brandon Jackson. I think okay, he solid. is in Alabama. I'm pretty sure, or maybe Atlanta. I'm not sure, but. Um, He's somebody that intrigues me. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying oh he's going to be a 12 sack guy, but I think I think he could give us a little something something new, as uh, like that Ty, Tyrus Bowser role, role that he, uh, that uh, Dean Pease had in in Baltimore. I feel like he can uh, give us something off the edge there. Um, yeah. Sorry, having some microphone for a second there. Uh, no yeah. I actually would not be surprised if we take a lot of the inspiration from Baltimore in terms of how we do the whole edge situation because of Dean Pease being there in Baltimore, where we draft like a guy pretty much every year and then we just turn them loose at the end of their rookie contracts and get a uh, comp pick. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, wouldn't hate that's that. That's the either. formula. Yeah. Draft these developmental guys, let them develop. By the time they're in year three, four, they start to break out a little bit. Let him go in free agency, get a comp pick back. The Aussie knew some way. That's what they, oh. like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we followed that method just because of how involved Dean Pease was with the Ravens. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay, cool. So next question. Do you see us putting an emphasis on the secondary or edge position more this offseason? Which we kind of answered with edge. So I guess, do you see us emphasizing the uh, secondary position? Go ahead, Kenny. You can, you can kick off with this one. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely see us attacking the secondary position. I mean, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith, I'm sure by this time they've got a pretty good idea of the roster they're working with. I'm sure they've watched plenty of game film from last season in this team. And I can't imagine they'd be inspired by what they saw. A.J. Terrell, he's the young promising cornerstone of this secondary. Outside of him, who do we have? Jalen Hawkins, a late-round safety from last regime. I'd like to see Mm -hmm. him get a shot, but to be determined. Kendall Sheffield and Isaiah Oliver, I don't think either of those guys are inspiring confidence. I do know Isaiah Oliver improved dramatically when he went into the nickel. But prior to that, we know he just can't, he doesn't have it on the outside, fellas. Maybe good coaching from Dean Pease can possibly save him, but I think he's closer to the end of his tenure in Atlanta than anything else. And we did bring in Eric Harris, but that's one of those veteran leadership scheme installation kind of signings. He'll be good for the locker room. He'll help us change the culture around on this team. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree. Uh, like Eric Harris to me was always <clears throat> just um, just kind of like a standard setter for this new regime. Um Kendall Sheffield, I'm always going to have love for my OSU guys, so uh, I'm going to give him a pass because he actually was injured last year. Like, 
Like I'm not I'm not just saying that because he's an Ohio State guy. He had surgery at the end of the year and he just got back on the field um with the footwork king. Um so now he's he's working back. I think he can be an intriguing slot guy or like at least a fourth corner in the rotation. Um mm-hmm. I but in terms of adding here, like I feel like I feel like even after the draft we're gonna even probably gonna sign a vet in in the secondary. Um, but I think we're going to see multiple people added here. Like, um, I'm always floating around the idea of taking a DB, um, or a safety in round two and round three, uh, just hitting them back to back because, um, from the studies that I've done and I've shared this numerous times with like multiple people across Twitter and even you guys. Um, but, uh, like this, this scheme is so, uh, coverage oriented, that he leans on coverage, man coverage a ton uh, when he's doing his exotic blitzes and whatnot and um, just his manufactured pressures. So I think, I feel like this year, especially with how deep this um, cornerback class is, I feel like we're going to spend multiple picks there. Um, and I, like if we added a corner in round two and two safeties after round round two and then I, I really feel like like that's people are gonna be like that's overkill. But this safety, like he rotates three safeties pretty steadily. So I feel like um I feel like drafting two guys when we only have Eric Harris and Hawkins on, on the table right now, I feel like that's not that's not overdoing it at all. And even even more so I I think we could even add after the draft. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm confident that we can improve the secondary much quicker than we can improve our linebackers and edges because unlike edge, this corner class and even the safety class, I think that they're pretty good, pretty solid, deep guys oh. all around. And one more thing I'd like to add is that we did sign Fabian Moreau. Oh, yeah. Washington Reds yeah. from, I'm sorry, the Washington football team. Yeah, that's right, Kenny. Get it right. BPC yeah. on this podcast. Apologies. Apologies. <laughs> yeah. PC always. But um, from what I've studied up on Moreau, which has been limited, but – it seems that the problem with him in Washington was they wanted him to be a nickel corner when he felt more at home he's, on the outside. He's a boundary, I, yeah. He's yeah, a boundary, yeah, right. and I don't think he'll have problem a problem getting reps on the boundary in Atlanta under Dean Pease. So keep an eye on Fabian Moreau as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm Fabian, actually excited about him, so yeah. Yeah, so Fabian Moreau is one of those guys that, like, once we made the signing, I knew absolutely nothing about him. So I hit up all my Washington buddies and were like, yo, what do y'all know? And they said, we just got an absolute steal. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to pan that's out right, <laughs> but I, I'm excited to hear that. Um, yeah, me too. But with building this, with, with building the uh, secondary through the draft, if we do end up trading back, which I think is a possibility, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good possibility. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we try to get JC Horn with the first pick because of his skills and man coverage. Oh, um, hell yeah. And then we would have him and Terrell, a lot, him, Terrell, Moreau, Oliver, Sheffield. Like we would have a good rotation of guys in the corner position to mm-hmm. lock up those receivers and let Dean Pease do his exotic blitzes. With, yeah. yeah. With the safeties, though, group. that would be a phenomenal group. Oh, um, man. <laughs> with the safeties, though, like I definitely think we take one around two or three. And then I think we grab one later, like five through seven which we can put, maybe find like Jacoby Stevens or <laughs> podcast favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe get like Savon Diablo or, Ooh, yeah. or, or these other just like later round safeties that are solid, you know? And then mm-hmm. 
we've also been linked with Kenny Vaccaro. So that would be fun. I'm actually a fan. Makes too Uh, much sense. It it makes way too much sense. And so like at that point, like we could be sitting at five safeties going into the season, which might sound like a lot, but as you were saying, Adam, we run a lot of three safety sets. Mm -hmm. So having five on roster gives us depth to cover that. Yeah. But just, just before we move on, like JC Horn in the secondary, you want to talk about culture change. Uh, he is the most confident player in this draft. Like, and I'm talking over uh, Trevor Lawrence. I'm talking over Kyle Pitts. I'm talking about all of that. And that would be a culture shock to a lot of these guys. I think uh, just the swagger that he plays with and just the confidence that he plays with. Um, he welcomes number one receivers and that would just be something that, um, I'd be so excited to see on, on just Sunday to Sunday basis. Like it would be so much fun. Uh, and you better believe that I will have that Jersey. if we (laughs) His swagger and confidence is contagious. When you watch him, (laughs) I can only imagine how upset and frazzled the receivers he's shutting down in the sec are getting with him. His Bro, Auburn like, tape against Seth Williams. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for, I forgot who said it the other day, but apparently J.C. Horn talks by far the most out of any <laughs> corner that this guy played against. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you can see that, bro. It's just like when you're watching film and you see a guy's helmet just just moving all the time, you know he's just – he's not telling them how good uh, a player the guy is. <laughs> like, I don't know. Man. Adding J.C. Horn and Terrell, I think, would be – a very good way to start building up the future of this defense. Um, I know it'd be kind of a luxury pick in some people's eyes, but like, I just, if we trade back, I think that's the route we have to go is with him or Patrick Sertain. He's a good enough prospect where if we do trade back, he's got to be on the radar. Yeah, I agree. Oh, for sure. Okay. Moving on to the next part of the show, the draft part, well, main draft part. We are here today to talk about our gold star prospects, the ones that during draft day we would stand up on the table and fight for and explain why they would be perfect for our Atlanta Falcons. Um, We all have two or three guys written down, and we all have like a bunch of guys that we could go on about. Um, Kenny, give us your first gold star prospect of the 2021 NFL draft cycle. All right. My first gold star prospect is, well, if you watched the college football playoffs this season, if you watched the conference title games, then you're going to be very familiar with this name. And it's Trey Sermon running back out of Ohio State. Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Over. End of the season this year. (laughs) How many yards did he have against um, Northwestern? I think like 250. No, it was like 340 no. something. Oh, <laughs> six, I believe the number was. Yeah, it was. Do you know whose record he broke? Eddie George, baby. Eddie George, yeah. Didn't he just get a head coaching job? Shout out Eddie George. Yeah, I think Shout Tennessee State. Yeah, ten, yo, Eddie George is a dog. I miss that dude. Anyways, go ahead, Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Well, Trace this, is Sermon, be, this is going to become an Ohio State podcast really quick here. Yes, you stop that right now. <laughs> I mean, they keep putting out these prospects. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go <laughs> keep going, again. Trey Sermon fits this team from a few different perspectives. Number one, where did Trey Sermon go to high school? Marietta, Georgia. Yeah. Oh shit. 
Yeah, he's a Georgia I did not dude. know that. Yep. Born in Tampa. Moved to Georgia as a young man. Played high school football there. Was the number one running back recruit in the state of Georgia in his class. Now, not only is, is he a fit because he's a local guy, scheme-wise, though, I really love his fit in Arthur's, in Arthur Smith's offense. He doesn't have any um, any super elite traits, but what he does have is he's got vision, he's got great cuts, he's elusive, and he I, I think he has underrated power. I do. He runs very upright, so you don't always see that power. But when people go to tackle Trey Sermon, a lot of times he leaves them missing. I yeah. really think that Trey Sermon and I think that Trey Sermon and Mike Davis, they both do a lot of things well. And I really think that he would be a great fit in this offense. I, I think that he can block well enough. He hasn't really shown a pass catching prowess, but I don't think that's outside of his skill set. And mm-hmm. I really think that um, a physical running style like his could fit very well into Arthur Smith's scheme. Now, I know whenever we talk about running backs and Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons, now everyone wants us to get a Derrick Henry. Yeah. Newsflash. There's only one Derrick Henry, and we're not getting him anytime soon. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, so I think that if you draft Trey Sermon, you bring him along slowly behind Mike Davis, and you give him an opportunity to not be Derrick Henry, but to be Trey Sermon, I think he can do a lot of good things for this team. I, I saw a comp for Trey Sermon the other day. And it was uh, it was Legarrette Blunt, which fit kind of fit kind of nicely for me at least. But like, really? p- yeah. But like picturing a running back like that in the backfield though, like just sounded good either way. Like having a, a good power back that we haven't really had since Turner sounds kind of nice. Yeah, and it's not even that so much as like that he's a pure power back, but he's he's a great fit for an outside zone scheme. I think Arthur Smith yeah. can do a lot of things with him. Yeah. So, uh, we get blonde. That's, that's, that's pretty random. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of liked I it like, though. I kind of liked it. I don't, I don't really like comps, but I don't know. I don't, I Trey sermon. I don't know. He's my guy. I don't really go to bat. Try not to, but, um, just to speak on, um, the receiving part of, um, his game at Ohio state. Um, if you want, where, where do you go before Oklahoma? Right. Yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. yeah. Um, so if you watch his 2019 Oklahoma, he's asked to catch ball a little bit more, and you see his abilities there. Ohio State just doesn't ask the running backs to catch the ball. That's that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Um, like our receivers are so good, um, and we're pressing vertical so much that uh, the running backs just pretty much either stay in or they're out for a dumb pass. Like really, uh, he's not he's not really asked to do it, but. Um, that's that was I actually watched his interview with uh, Daniel Jeremiah and he said that um, same thing like Bucky Brooks was saying um, I know a lot of people get down on you about your receiving ability but if people watch 2019 uh, they'll see you uh, a more focal point in the receiving game uh, for Oklahoma and he said uh, he said yeah he's like that's exactly it Ohio State just doesn't ask me which um, is fine but he is a bruiser he's really really good Um He's got more straight line speed than you would think for a bruiser like that. He's 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 a really good uh, nifty little back. He's a he's a guy that uh, I really enjoyed his time at Ohio State, even though he was just there for the year. For sure, for sure. All right, Adam, who is your first Gold Star prospect? Um, so I'm gonna say uh, Greg Newsom. Um, I feel like his range um, for us is like 25 to 35. Um, 
Greg Newsom is such a sticky corner. Uh, he, I, I, I'm not going to give you a comparison because I don't like comparisons. But um, so he, he, he was asked to do a lot of zone, like a lot of quarters um, and a lot of man for uh, Northwestern. Um, and he was just so consistent with it. Uh, sticky. Um, he, he knew when to pass players off in zone coverage. Uh, which is really, really good because obviously if you don't pass a guy off, then you have huge holes uh, in your zone. Um, and he's a he's a DB that, that'll come up and hit you. Uh, he's not really afraid of contact. Uh, he takes on blockers. Uh, he's, he, like, he's a big guy, 6'1", 190, right? So um, he, he plays – I feel like he plays a little bit bigger than uh, his weight, um, but he, he's not scared to get hands on you. Uh, his press bail is really, really good. His footwork and his hip rotation in general is just so fluid. Like, he looks uh, really, really good. I actually just started his deep dive uh, yesterday, and I was really, really excited. And I, I'm like, in a, in a scheme where we're constantly going to be blitzing different guys and we're sending five um, consistently, I want a guy on the back end that can hold their guy for a, a couple more seconds and and just be in the hip pocket of a, of a, of a receiver, right? Or... Um, I mean, if you wanted to, you could put him inside to play tight ends if he, if he had to, right? He's, he's got the lengths for it. Um, but in zone, uh, we're, which we're also going to run, and uh, Pease is really, really good at, at disguising his coverages, uh, he just understands zone so well. Um, and that's something that is really, really encouraging. Um, and like I said, I feel like if he dropped... I would consider trading up for him just to get that fifth year option with him too. And I think his ceiling's really, really high. Um, so he's a guy that I would really pound the table for. And like we said, um, adding multiple bodies in the secondary and, and getting a CB two um, is something that I feel like Dean Pease wants. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's a guy that I would love um, to get on this Atlanta Falcons team. Absolutely. Greg Newsom's an incredibly talented player. You're talking about smooth hips. I've yeah. seen that man turn on a dime to make plays on the ball. Yeah, I really yeah. like the Greg Newsom call. And like my biggest thing too, like I've seen him multiple times on double moves. He is like that's where you see his hip rotation so well. Um he doesn't move um to the point where he's his back's to the play. And that's such a huge thing for a DB. Uh he just understands his body so well. He's so fluid. Um like Byron Jones, I they're not they don't play the game similarly, but like his hip fluid fluidity is like kind of the same thing. He's just so so in and out of breaks, right? Um, and I really really love that from Newsom. Nice. Um, I know a lot of people have Newsom pretty much within the top five for sure, and yeah. I know some people have him as CB one in this class. Yep. I have seen that. I have seen that some some prominent names that are really good secondary people have them really high up there. Exactly. Yeah, I, think, I think Crocker had them pretty high. Yeah. Aaron mm-hmm. Crocker, Crocker. yeah. I, I think he's Crocker's two or three. Yeah, I know Horns is one. I'm not really um, sure where Newsom sits on his ranking. I'm pretty sure he's our boy Cam's CB1 in this class. Yep. Yeah, he is. Cam, yeah. Cam is a huge Greg Newsom fan, and for good reason. Oh, for sure. Um, but anyway, my gold star guy that uh, I'm going to pound the table for is going to be, first off, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Hey, Ohio State pod, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so basically, basically, regardless of whatever we do at pick four, 
Uh, Matt Ryan's still going to be the starting quarterback next year, maybe even two years, um, regardless of what we do, whether that be Kyle Pitts or a quarterback or a trade back for J.C. Horn or Greg Newsom or whatever we want to do, right? We're probably going to be stuck with Matt Ryan. Not that stuck with. We're going to have Matt Ryan for another year or two, right? And our boy Pat kind of did this breakdown the other day of what I guess would be best for Matt going forward. And that is basically bolstering the offensive line to give him a clean pocket because his Anya is just a lot better during a clean pocket than under pressure because, you know, most quarterbacks are that way. But with Matt, it's a major difference between the two. And we kind of have a gaping hole at left guard and at center because no offense to Matt Hennessy and Matt Gano, neither one have really proven themselves at the guard or center position to be penciled in as a first year starter. Um, Drafting a guy like Wyatt Davis would be phenomenal for that because he was a three-year starter on that Ohio State offensive line, I believe. I think so. Yep. I, I know for sure, too, but um, he has experience at both right and left guard uh, there. And the dude's a just the dude's good all the way around. Phenomenal run blocker, solid pass pro, leader on the O-line, um, isn't afraid of uh, taking on a def- – defender never really loses at the point of attack he's just he's good he's just a good solid offensive lineman who we can probably grab at the start of the second at a pick 35 um i know a guard isn't necessarily the sexy pick or whatever but if we do want to run it with matt ryan for the next year or two then we're going to have to create a good offensive line around him uh and Wyatt davis is an easy plug-and-play starter at the left guard position for us. And putting him next to Jake Matthews and potentially Matt Hennessy would be phenomenal. And for Hennessy's sake, having a Wyatt Davis and a Chris Lindstrom on his two sides would be incredible for him and for his development. Yeah, and I've uh, I've said that. I said if Hennessy's going to work, he's going to need two, uh, two road graders beside him. Lindstrom's already trending that way. I think he's – I think he actually – rang in like a top 10 uh, right guard season last year. So, I mean, getting Wyatt Davis and plugging him in at left guard um, definitely um, makes a lot of sense. He's just, he's, he's another guy that's mean, right? Um, he, he brings a, a little bit more nastiness to the O-line. Um, and, and Arthur Smith, he was really, um, he, he, I, he pointed that numerous times in his press conference. Um, so he would be a really good um a fit for us in, in the in the outside zone because he can get outside um like even if we want to run power um we like he can do that as well like he's got he's got he can move people and he's just as good uh moving backwards as he is forward so um why davis would be a really fun pick for me um in round two he like you said uh off the field fantastic person on the field he's even better um, so I f- really feel like he would uh, fit right in with Jake Matthews, um, McGarry, and Lindstrom in Tennessee. So, yeah, I, I like that fit a lot. Absolutely. I'm a fan of it, too. White Davis seems like a complete prospect. He would help this team a lot. And I think something that we need to address is um, where Arthur Smith is an offensive line guy. He yeah. played O-line in college. He gets along with the O-line room. If you watched his uh, recent podcast on Bussing with the Boys with um, Taylor <laughs> Lewan and um, um, Will Compton. 
Yeah, Will Compton. Sorry about that. Yeah, Taylor Wan and Will Compton. He's just one of the guys when he's in there with those O-linemen. I, I can see the relationship that he built not only as a play caller, but as a coach with those guys. And I know the offensive line is very important to him. Offensive line is also very important to our new general manager, Terry Fontenot. He comes yeah. from a culture in New Orleans where they put massive resources into the offensive line. And their dominant line play was a big reason why Drew Brees' window was open for so long and why they were always one of the top offenses in the league. Yeah, which a very good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm, which will segue me to my other gold star guy, who is Kendrick Green, guard out of Illinois. Kendrick Green, yeah, he played a little center too, right? Guard and center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kendrick yeah. Green, like you guys just touched on, our two weakest positions along the line are left guard and center. Kendrick yep. Green started out his career at Illinois at left guard. And then he moved to center the next year. And then this year, he bounced back and forth between the two. Five starts at guard, three starts at center this season. Okay. Now, yeah. mm-hmm. now Kendrick Green, he's listed as a little under 6'2", 305. Yeah, he's smaller, nice. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I was like, yeah, he's, he's a little smaller, but he's, he's Yeah, it's surprising here. because when you watch him, he doesn't look like a small guy. He plays big. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that he moves very well. He's got nice range. He can get out there and run a little bit. He pounces out of his stance. He's got real good movement skills. And I think that the versatility he brings along all three interior line positions is something that we would find very valuable because we're going to put resources into the offensive line like Tennessee did, like New Orleans did. We're going to look for versatile guys. And I think building this offensive line is important. I think Kendrick Green is a good fit from a scheme perspective. I said this earlier. He does remind me a little bit of Hennessy, but I think he's more powerful than Hennessy, which Hennessy, you know, the the book's still out on him. He did have a COVID-shortened rookie year. We do need to remember that when judging Matt Hennessy. But, yeah, I think a player like Kendrick Green, he could add a lot to this offensive line. Yeah. that's uh, He was a guy I just started really looking into today and, like, through, like – 15 snaps i was like oh this guy's fun <laughs> and he's a he's a little mean uh he would be our meanest o-lineman like if we drafted him and he's not a guy that you got to spend like um, a second or third round i think he's going to be fourth fifth round range uh yeah, which I think he's would an be early like three guy yep. yeah absolutely perfect for us like um he's just uh he's able to climb to the second level and like i was telling aaron freeman actually today me and him were talking about him like he headhunts when he's pulling. Like he's coming for somebody, and it's a full load of steam. But in the same breath, um, his aggressiveness can cause him some issues at times. But like I said to Aaron, I would rather a guy be super aggressive and me try to tone that down than him be less aggressive and me trying to get him to get ramped up to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. His over aggressiveness does cause him to be on the ground a little bit during his tape. But I think that's correctable. Well, yeah, no, I agree. But it's, fu- it's funny you say that about him being on the ground. I was watching the Northwestern uh, game today, I think it was. Yeah, it was Illinois Northwestern. And he was by far the dirtiest player on that. Whole line. <laughs> <laughs> it was just mud, mud, grass. Like, I'm sure there's some blood in there. Like, it was just, it was hilarious. I was like, man, this this guy gets after it a bit. 
way, the same way J.C. Horn's swagger would affect the defense, I would love <laughs> to have a mean streak like Green's on the offensive line. I, I definitely agree. I like that. I like that kid. I, he, he's a guy I want to do a little bit more work on. But uh, Northwestern's got a, a tough, tough defense, I can tell you. And uh, he, he, he was really physical against them. I really like that. Yeah, Kendrick Green's one of those guys who I have not watched but I've been seeing him gain like so much hype and traction over the past couple of days just on Twitter. Um, yeah. And so he's one of those guys that I really want to get my eyes on too. Yeah. So yeah. especially if he is a scheme fit. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, is it, is it me or is it you? Yeah. Yeah. Adam, it's back to you. Who's your next gold star. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go um, to Jason Oway from Penn state. Um, he was a guy uh, that I absolutely loved. Um, when I was studying him um, and I did the breakdown on him on uh, Twitter there. Um, I did not know his sack production in 2020 was like non-existent because um, I just study traits and, and how he moves and stuff like that. Um, and he was just, uh, he was just a guy that can do everything for you as a three, four outside linebacker or as a four, three DN. He's just like, his pro day was absolutely freakish. Um, he absolutely blew everything out of the water um and it's like it's not one of those cases where oh he blew up the pro day um how's his tape like his tape is phenomenal too uh him on stunts and twists um is absolutely uh ridiculous his lateral movement and his hand placement while he's coming in through the a gaps is absolutely crazy to me uh he's one of the best lateral movers probably up there with ronnie perkins for me um but he moves just so well um and I think his rawness is in one-on-one situations and getting hands off of them, but I'm willing to work with that just because I can use them in different fronts and I can bring him from different areas. And I think Dean Pease would absolutely love that kind of player. And he kind of, he's like that Zadarius Smith rusher where he can, he can, he can fake like a, a, a spy and then he can delay the blitz and come through like that. Uh, he's just that athletic. And even if you need him to spy like a uh, Lamar Jackson, like he absolutely can do that role. Um, he's just a, such a scheme versatile player that I would absolutely love to get my, uh, hands on such a moldable player. And I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like his measurable, he's six, five, two fifty eight. Uh, he's a massive person with massive upside. Um, and just somebody that I would like absolutely like it's it, you're going to bet on um, his potential, but he's a guy year one, especially with the way our edge situation is situated. Uh, he would absolutely come in and, 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 and be a factor for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Always insane. Just a freak of nature out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be honest to say his sack production does concern me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, it is coachable. So, yeah, and like if he's pressuring at a high rate, I'm okay with that. If he's a pressure guy and he's a run stopper and he can uh, cause havoc and make QBs not step up in the pocket, that's fine for me. Uh, If I'm spending a second round pick and he's getting five sacks and he's doing those kind of things and he's just being one of those guys that's a matchup nightmare, then I'm absolutely fine with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, his athletic profile is absolutely insane. And I also think that, as you touched on as far as spying quarterbacks and stuff like that, I think that as he develops his skill set, I think he'll be able to be very successful in space as well, not just as a rusher, you know? Yeah, I I think that he really has those tools. 
Yeah, I, I would echo echo that statement as well. Uh, he's just he's good in in space too. Like um, even like if if a four three front was looking at him as a Sam, I hundred percent think he could do that because uh, I've I seen do. him carry tight ends downfield and he doesn't look lost. Um, I wouldn't have him doing it forty snaps in a game, but um, it would be something that uh, when he drops like to the flats and stuff and has to eat up those swings and stuff like that, he absolutely can do those things no problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Oe is just a phenomenal athlete and just could work wonders here in Atlanta. Um, cool. On to my next guy is it's going to be another running back, but it's what? going to be running back. I, I know, dude, running backs don't matter. I, I get it. I understand. But that's why we have another one, because committees <laughs> work. Committees are better than a bell cow. <laughs> All right. So my next one is going to be Davian Hawkins from Louisville. Talked about him a little bit earlier. And dude is a freaking stud. Uh, In an absolute home run hitter. He can take literally anything to the house with his uh, just uh, straight line speed. Um, He's not necessarily like a good power runner. But like dude, dude can take anything to the outside and go. Uh, we had that with Tico a little bit, but before that, who was our last like home run hitting running back that we've had in Atlanta? Antoine Smith. Too long. Oof. Antoine it, Smith. Bro, we had Antoine Smith for like half a season. Bro, bro he's like, yeah, bro, he was he like, did. he was like eight carries, eight touchdowns though, bro. He was a blur too. He was dude, dude, Antoine Smith was the biggest cult hero that I've seen in Atlanta sports in a long time. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> He was good. Oh, I don't know. He so I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. He was not good, but my <laughs> God, he took advantage of his opportunities. Yeah, he was like, and that was. I think that was our down year with Smitty, wasn't was it? That, or, was, was, was that the four and twelve year or the six? Yeah, and it was weird, and he would just bust off like seventy yard touchdowns out of nowhere. Oh yeah, because we were trying to run with Stephen Jackson, and just all of a sudden, boom! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, we, were all like, we were all like, "Who the hell is this dude?" Yeah. <laughs> I just remember I was sitting there, I was like, Antoine Smith, and like, I was like looking through like the rosters and everything, I was like, he didn't even have a picture next to him on our roster. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> um, uh... Anyways, go ahead. But yeah, Hawkins is one of those guys that if you pair with Mike Davis, is like more of the power back, and since we have Olsen on roster, then he's the perfect complement to what they have. Uh, he would kind of take the Edo Smith role. Um, Hawkins is a fairly decent receiver, home run threat to take a screen, a toss outside zone or anything run. He can take it to the house. Um, he's not going to be one of those guys who I think we should rush 20 times a game, but if we give him 10 carries, then he's probably going to get 50, 60 yards, just on pure speed. Uh, terrible on pass pro. I will be honest. He is not good at pass pro, but he is also so small, which is why he's bad at pass pro. Um, there's a lot to love with Hawkins, but then there's also a lot to acknowledge that he can't do. But Hawkins is one of those guys that I think would just benefit the backfield and benefit our running back room because he brings something that we don't have and yep. haven't consistently had in years. So that's why I would stand on the table for JV and Hawkins. And yeah, I cannot I wait. I would love to have that burst in the backfield again. Like you guys have said, it's been so long. And 
as you guys might know, we have met with JV and Hawkins in this yep. pre-draft process. I believe we met with him twice, as a matter of fact. So he's small, yeah, but that's kind of why he's going to be of great value in, on day three. And I think uh, I'm with you, Hunter. I think he'd be an outstanding addition to this team. Yeah, and um, like we said earlier, he's just a blur. Like he's uh, absolutely explosive. Uh, he gives you that. Um, fire and ice element like you know what i mean uh, mike davis is the fire he's the ice comes in flies through right uh he kind of gives you everything but like you said he's such a liability uh in pass pro that where that's where i'm like okay like memphis or um gainwell makes more sense just because he's not as bad in in pass pro but um i feel like from where you're getting hawkins to where you're getting gainwell in the draft um, I much rather the value of Hawkins and probably like the fifth ish round um, than Gainwell in the third. Um, so Mike with Mike Davis and um, with Mike Davis being pretty good uh, as a pass pro uh, running back, then it, it is what it is. Like we might tip our hand, uh, but we could also come back into running back sets too. Uh, where Mike Davis is just chipping in and, and um, Hawkins is somebody that'll be a threat for Matt Ryan on um, on different different running back routes, right? Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely like uh, the Hawkins fit. Or just like like I said, I, I really feel like a slasher is going to be the move this year. I don't like maybe if Najee slips to the second, maybe they think about it just in the BPA um, aspect of it all. Um, but I think those teams in the back end of the twenties are just going to be like licking their chops for Najee or Javante or somebody like I that. I just, I, I was writing a mock earlier, uh, yesterday and I just, I was getting, I got to Pittsburgh and I sat there and I was just staring at Najee Harris. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't want to take him in the first round and I, because I don't think running backs should ever go first round, but Najee at 24 to Pittsburgh just feels right. So personally, I don't think he slides past that. But if he does, I think we could very easily like potentially trade up for him. Yeah, that's another thing too, right? It's just one of those things maybe they're trying to set their culture in a certain way, right? Yeah, you'll never catch me slandering Najee Harris. <laughs> he is that's an it. absolute stud in every sense. And I, I do think he deserves to go in his first round. I think that Pittsburgh might be his floor. I think that Miami pick at 18, I think they'll be thinking long and hard about picking Najee Harris. Yeah. That's very true. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're kind of pushing time a little bit today. Do you all want to go around drop another couple names? Not really go into as much detail, but like just throw out a few more Gold Star guys that you all would fight for? Yeah, I've got yeah, one yeah, name go I'd like to drop. Okay, Kenny, send it. So my third, my third Gold Star player for this pod will be tommy tremble tight end out of notre dame now arthur smith he loves running out of 12 personnel one running back two tight ends but he he loves to run out of 12 personnel and hence why we made a move for lee smith because i don't think that Jaden graham and hayden hurst as our tight ends in that set really inspire much confidence when it comes to run blocking i do so not tolerate smith, hayden hurst slander on this podcast <laughs> Well, you better tell him to start blocking, then. <laughs> but yeah, I think that we we grabbed Lee Smith so we could put him in that in that set and run out of it. And I think that Tommy Tremble is a player who we have met with, 
who would allow us to take that to the next level. I think that Tommy Tremble can set the edge just as well as any tight end in this class. I actually think he does it better than any tight end in this class. He's the best blocking tight end. Now, some some background on Tommy Tremble is he went to high school at Johns Creek, Georgia. He's a local really? guy. What are these guys what? coming from Georgia? Yep, Georgia, putting talent out there. His dad played college football at Georgia. He went undrafted, but yeah, I believe I want to say he was all conference, but I don't know that for a fact. But yeah, his he's from Georgia. He went to high school there. His dad played at Georgia. He's got the the local fact that I like as along with Trey Sermon. And I just think he's a spectacular fit for this offense. I mean, as far as athletic profiles go, he <laughs> our buddy Mark pointed this out to us. He compares very favorably to Jonu Smith. Now, I'm not saying he's ha- even close to the athlete Jonu is. I don't think he has the quick twitch. I don't think he can turn the corner like Jonu. But he's athletic enough, and he was a bit underutilized at Notre Dame because they had this spectacular freshman tight end who we'll get to another time who took his snaps away. But that doesn't mean he's a bad player. Was that Penn, he, Penn State, right? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Man, I always get those two mixed up. But yeah, you're no oh man, that freshman. He's he's something. I'll tell you. Go yeah, ahead, his, go ahead, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, he is he is a stud. But yeah, he is an absolute mauler in the run game. I put put a little mini thread up on Twitter a couple months ago about Tommy Tremble. And I was watching his film and he was playing dudes on their butts all game long. Like he embraced the contact and you don't see that from all tight ends. Notre Dame also, they did get creative with where they lined him up, but not necessarily how they used him, but they put him in position to come across formations, crack linebackers, set the edge. And he did very well at that. And he has, the, as I just said, he has the tools to develop into receiving threat as well. And Arthur yeah. Smith, Loves his offensive linemen, loves his tight ends. Tommy Tremble lets us run out of 12, 13, just gives Arthur all those other options. I think he would be a very good fit in Atlanta. Yeah, I, me- I remember that thread that you put up. He was, it was basically a fuck. Sorry. It was just basically him hitting people uh, yeah. and just knocking them out of running lanes. <laughs> like he was absolutely destroying people. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he doesn't have natural hands. He's not a natural route runner, but he's got the tools to develop into that. And that you're, Year one, you're drafting them to hit people. Yo, yeah, oh, 100%. He's, he welcomed that. It's a big boy. Yeah, Trimble's, Trimble's insane. Like, watching him block and everything, like, he's not afraid of contact by any means. Oh, and no. it, it was cool seeing him test because, like, on tape, you can tell he's athletic, but uh, seeing the test results, like, he's so much more athletic than his tape shows. So it's, it's super cool to see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like Tremble. He's uh, I don't know where he's gonna go. I've seen as high as round two, which is a little rich for me. Yeah, that's too rich for me as well. I have a round four grade on him, but I think he might go in round three. Yeah, I think round three is the spot he might go. Uh, I just wouldn't take him in round two, but I, I yeah. do, I do agree. Uh, he is a stud, and in, uh, in that twelve personnel, he would absolutely find some work especially I, I i don't anticipate lee smith being here too long this is no. just more like a, a stop on the way to florida for his retirement kind of exactly. thing <laughs> right he came, came from buffalo he's driving down 
down south. He's oh, we got to make a pit stop for a year, and then he's then he's retiring, right? Um, so I, I, I don't anticipate Lee Smith being here too long. So Tremble would be uh, would be a good little uh, a good little pick for us, for sure. Adam, who is your last Gold Star player to wrap this thing up with? Um, so it's my guy. I've been banging the table for this guy, and I am dying for some more tape of him. Is uh, William Bradley King uh, from Baylor, uh, the six-three, two hundred and fifty-five pounder, um, plays really, really big. Uh, he's athletically gifted. He's really, really. Uh, he's he's got really good pass rush technique, um, and it's something that's not talked about enough. Is his hands? He uses his hands really, really well. And that's something that uh, you're going out and you're seeking work to develop because people can get off with uh, quick a quick pass rush, like a quick first step uh, or just raw power and bulldozing people. Uh, but he absolutely works his hands. And that is something that really impressed me when I first started watching him. Uh, one-on-ones on the Senior Bowl, he was pretty damn dominant. Um, and he's, he's really like, if you look at him, uh, he's really the prototypical three, four outside linebacker, the way he rushes. Um, I feel like maybe in space, he's not that great. Uh, but I really feel like he can drop and be okay in the flats. Like obviously not to the extent that OA is, but I really feel like he's a guy that, um, if asked to drop into the flats or into like a little hook zone about four or five yards, uh, he'd be, he'd be fine with that. Um, anything more. And I feel like that's, that's probably he's a little bit of a liability there uh, just to change the passing angles of the quarterback and, and be in the way. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, Bradley King's a guy I would stand on the table for, especially for where, uh, like, people got him in the fifth and sixth. I think that's tremendous value. And I talked about hitting edge uh, twice, potentially, in mock drafts. He's always a guy I gun for in about the sixth round um, because he's always there. And he's a scheme fit. Like, he's a perfect scheme fit. Um, so he's a, he's a guy that I would definitely bang the table for, especially as a late rounder. Yeah, you've been on this Bradley King hype train for a while. Uh, you have. Yeah, he's a huge senior bowl standout, so it was cool to see him down in Mobile, like, kind of balling out. Yeah. And then, like, you started the hype train right after, so. Oh, yeah. He, that's where he caught my eye, and I was like, ooh, man. Like, like, and you look at him, too. He's a rocked-up dude. Like, he's, he, like, you know what I mean? He looks like a 255 DN. Like, he's really, he's really, uh. He's really a solid player. And like I said, like just his hand movement. And, and that wasn't to say that uh, he's got a lack of power. He does have power. Like he can, I seen him bulldoze some, some offensive tackles. Um, but also, like I said, if anybody's got some William Bradley King tape, just, just, <laughs> D, just DM me, man. I need that all 22. I just, I just need that all 22, man. He's got the itch. <laughs> what I've seen of um, William Bradley King is one word sticks out to me. It's fluid. He oh, moves yeah. very well. And yep. we talked about the beginning of this, this pod about how draft edge rushers with traits, let them develop and see what they can do, what they can do. He's exactly that. He's got yes, the traits. Sir. He's got the athleticism. He has your endorsement, Adam. I know you know your edges, so I'm fully <laughs> on board with that. Thank you. Whoa. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to drop my last gold star guy of the night. 
last one of the pod. It's going to be Quincy Roche from Miami. Um, uh, I've been on the Quincy Roche hype train since the summer. He is a very fluid, high-energy, high-motor edge from Miami who transferred down from Temple. So he has experience at multiple levels of uh, college football and has played very well at both levels. Um, this year, Jalen Phillips stole the show in Miami, but Quincy Roche was still phenomenal there. He's your traditional 3-4 outside backer. He's very quick, uh, fast, fluid on the edge, solid hips, pretty good hand placement. Um, he's just not the biggest or strongest. Um but he does a phenomenal job of getting to the quarterback and creating pressure. He wasn't necessarily a huge sack guy in Miami this year, but he was constantly creating pressure that Jalen Phillips was able to thrive off of. Um, so having a pressure guy in Atlanta could do wonders for our defense. And he's probably a guy that we can grab mid rounds too. Yep. It's not often we can get a high profile guy who has tons of college experience in the mid rounds who can be an immediate starter for us. So that's why I would be standing up banging the table for Quincy Rush. Yeah. He's a, he's a nifty little player too. I like him. Uh, admittedly didn't watch a whole ton of them, but uh, I watched so much Jalen Phillips tape because he was so damn good that I got a hint of Quincy Roche in there too. So um, yeah, he was definitely the cleanup guy, but I mean, you need those kind of guys that um, uh, like, like Gregory Rousseau was a cleanup guy, right? He was—he wasn't really manufacturing much of his own pressure. He was um, coming in and cleaning up stuff for other guys. But um, yeah, Roche is uh, an intriguing player. He's to me, he's a, about the same about William Bradley King. I think I don't know. That's <laughs> my guy versus your guy. I think I, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, he's intriguing. I—I I, I don't mind him. I haven't done a whole ton of work on him. Uh, just because I got sick of looking at edge rushers so much. I think I watched about 25 of them. Uh, so he, he wasn't a guy that I got to. People just kept firing edges at me. They're like, yo, do, do this breakdown. Do this breakdown. I love your breakdown. Ch- check out this guy. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I just put out one day. I'm like, all right, here's my five guys. I'm moving <laughs> to safety. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm like, I love pass rushers. And like, that's what I coach too. But it's just like, I can't do it anymore. Let me look at something else. <laughs> yeah. Quincy Roche. I remember him winning quite a few one-on-ones at the senior bowl. He really impressed down there this year. He absolutely manhandled Alex Leatherwood on one rep. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a Leatherwood guy. I know the exact rep you're talking about. Dude, you know? He, <laughs> he made Leatherwood look like his, uh, fr- uh little brother. That's the word I'm going to go with. Because, <laughs> <laughs> We're a family-friendly podcast. PC yeah. on here, baby. AOA is PC. <laughs> We're PG and PC. Mm-hmm. That's funny. All right. You guys got anything else before I wrap this up tonight? Uh, just just let Kenny plug his Twitter. Let's get his, let's get his numbers up, man. This is his first one. I really <laughs> liked how this went. Um, Atlanta on air, I'm sorry that we uh, took so long to put this up. Just life, you know, uh, Hunter's just pissing me off with his running back aren't people, basically. <laughs> He's saying basically they're not people. So now, you know, I'm, I, I can't get over the border to fight this guy, so I just got to use my Twitter words. No, I'm just joking. Dude, I, but, told uh, you, I told you the minute you cross the border, I'm pimp slapping you and then buying you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kenny, plug, plug your stuff, buddy. 
<laughs> yeah, guys, come follow me, Kenny G on Twitter at Grits Blitz. That's Grits with a Z, Blitz with a Z. Come follow me. I'll be pumping out content. I'll be a mainstay on this pod for the foreseeable future until I start talking about running backs and Adam kicks me out the group. But anyway, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Hey, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that likes running backs. You, you can come on. You can stay on for as long as you want. Nah, man. Uh, I think Kenny's on my side where they don't matter. Oh man. Oh man. He's, he's, no he's, comment. Then. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, then we got a, then we got an opening here at Atlanta on there. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but uh, you guys know where to follow me. Uh, it's Damsky32 on Twitter. Um, yeah, follow me. Uh, guys, I guess this I'll, has been awesome. I guess I'll plug my Twitter into you real fast. It's uh, H Thompson NFL. Follow us. Follow Atlanta on air. Anything? Last words that aren't Twitter related. Well, check out. Nope. You got. You just put out a mock draft, or you put out a scouting report. I put out a scouting report on Rashawn Slater the other day. Yeah, yeah, check that out because Slater could be a guy that Atlanta targets if we trade back. I think we highlighted that a couple episodes ago. Yep. I just want to um, real quick thank you guys for having me. You know, it's awesome to be part of the team. Can't wait to pump out more content. Oh, it's going to be great, man. Great year. Let's do this thing. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys for turning into another episode of Atlanta On Air. We are freaking out of here. <laughs>